Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here. I'm so excited, you guys. I have a treat for you. I'm sitting here with Jamie Grace. She is a two-time Grammy-nominated artist as well as a Dove Award winner for the New Artist of the Year. She was diagnosed with anxiety, Tourette syndrome, ADHD, and OCD at the age of 11. Um, And she has just released a book. Today, as we are recording, is her book launch day for her book, Finding Quiet, my journey to peace in an anxious world. And first of all, I have to say, I know the book writing process um, is, it's not a quick process. So you actually were working on this book about anxiety way before this pandemic came about. And so I love (laughs) that um, there maybe has never been a more um, pressing moment for words like this. So Jamie, before we dive into your book, um, maybe for people who are less familiar with you, do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are and a bit of your story? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm Jamie Grace. I've got a double name because I'm a Georgia girl. Um, <laughs> I feel, always feel bad when people ask, like, where do you live or where you're from? Where are you from? Because it's like all over just because my family move a lot. But um, I spent age like one to age 24 in Georgia. So I'm a Georgia girl. Um, lived lived in Cali for a while. Now I live in Arizona. Um, I make music for a living. I write songs. I sing songs. If you've ever listened to Christian radio, then you may have heard some songs like Hold Me, Your Beautiful Day, which I'm really learning to own the phrase. It kind of makes me cringe, but I'm learning to own the phrase teen star Love it. because Love it. it just is what it is. When I was a teenager, Um, I kind of got famous uh, because of my YouTube videos and then because of a kid's TV show called I Shine through the Christian Network TBN. Um, And then I was able to work with a record label and I did two albums with them, which is where you heard the songs Hold Me and Beautiful, or if you've heard those songs Hold Me and Beautiful Day. So um, I got pretty famous like as a kid and that was scary and stressful, but also honestly, like some of the best days of my entire life. Um, and I'm so grateful for all of that. And while I've been navigating this kind of, you know, growing up in the public eye, I'm, I'm almost, I'll be 29 next month and um, I'm married now. I have a daughter. So while I've navigated all of that, I've also, you know, been battling a health diagnosis, I have Tourette syndrome and all those other things. <laughs> I like to tell people that I was greedy at the doctor. I was like, just give it, the, give it all to me. I just want to have all the stuff. Um, and I've also just been learning to own the fact that I'm not neurotypical. I'm different and that's okay. Um, because I know that God created me on purpose for a purpose and I just try to walk and embrace, um, all the things that make me, me and just do what he's called me to do. And right now he's got me making music, writing a book and raising a cute little baby with my husband. Love it. (laughs) Um, well, I want to go back a little bit because there definitely is, there's a gap between, when you're 11 and you are getting diagnosed with these things, and obviously 11 is their diagnosis, but before then there probably was a lot of um, frustration 
and yeah. things that were coming about that were like, what is going on with me? So we can even backtrack a little bit more, but, um, you're just a kid living your life with a yeah. dream of being a gymnast. And, um, you <laughs> yeah. know, I was reading in your book, these dreams that you had and how you love gymnastics and it really hit close to home. Um, as I have three girls who are all in gymnastics right now. And mm-hmm. I don't even think they know what the Olympics are, so they're not quite there yet, yeah. but, um, but they're loving it. And as, you know, as you were sharing your story of this dream you had at, while, um, you know, you're pursuing gymnastics, you're loving that, but then also Tourette syndrome is beginning to show up in your life. And this dream had to die. And I'm reading that story through the lens of a mom, um, of three girls. So I never want my kids to go through anything hard or have to give up a dream. Um, yeah. and we can see though, and you, you share this beautifully in your story, how, because that happened and, and that dream really died, you spent so much extra time in your room, started to write songs, started to, it really actually was the, um, development of this other dream, this really kind of bigger God dream. And so I just wanted to pause there for a moment, both to encourage, um, any parents who are listening, who feel like, Hey, my kid is really struggling or, um, you know, they're, we're trying to figure out a diagnosis. We're trying to figure out what's going on and you can feel really helpless and hopeless. Um, but what happened for you is it, it became this other thing. And so the question I have for you is in that really hard season, um, where again, you're, 11, you're 12, you're, um, learning how to navigate this new world. Um, how did your parents come alongside you and really encourage you to not kind of get stuck in that place, um, of the pain? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to always make sure that I acknowledge my privilege in that, um, I have really neat parents. I, 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 I understand that, you know, a lot of people that are facing adversity, they maybe don't have the same kind of support system or at least the same, like, I believe that we all have a support system, but some of us have to search a little bit harder to find it. Um, and mine was kind of built in, if you will. Um, both my mom and my dad are pastors. And so they just had a girl, a really great biblical perspective on everything, but, um, my mom is quite an empath. And so she, um, is very like emotionally in tune. If you're into the Enneagram at all, um, my mom's a two and my dad's a nine. So it's like, <laughs> not to say that any number is better than the other, but it's like, if you are facing adversity, like what better people to just like, yeah, yeah, to just have as your support system. Um, it was just a huge blessing growing up for sure. But one of the things that, that my parents did was they just, they, they actually, really made sure that I was okay with accepting pain and that I was okay. Like they, they just gave me space to hurt and they gave me space to feel, you know, um, this isn't specifically related to my diagnosis, but the year, the same year that I got my diagnosis, um, our, my mom's like side of the family, like all her siblings and everybody, we all experience like, um, just a, a family trauma as a whole. Um, when my uncle passed away and the way that he passed, it was just traumatic for all of us. And so I remember one day sitting with my dad and just, I was just so upset. And I just kept telling my dad, like, I was just so sad that my uncle passed away and I didn't have him anymore. And I just remember my dad just kept saying, like, I know, like this hurts, this hurts. And 
just the fact like I, I I have I don't have a ton of childhood memories actually but that's one that's very vivid for me like I remember the smell I remember the feeling because I just remember being given the space to hurt and being given the space to like acknowledge how much I was broken about that so that was one thing that they did but then they also were very intentional about just really innovative ways to bring me joy. Um, I didn't even know this until I got old. Well, I knew that, okay, I knew this, but then I, okay, let me, well, okay. <laughs> so when I was like 12 or 13, my mom um, and dad, they stayed up all night, like literally all night, and they painted our hallway light blue, um, which like when I was a kid, I was like, okay, my mom painted the hallway light blue, which is really cool. But I didn't know until I got older that my mom did that because she realized that I was isolating so much and I didn't get to see the sky very often. And so she wanted me to be able to see the sky. Um, I didn't know that until I was older, but, and my dad would like stay up late and like listen to jazz music. Like when he had to get up at five or 6 a.m. for work, he was also an electrician. And so they just, they, I think the best way to explain what they did is they just, every feeling mattered and every, like, they didn't allow me to like, okay, like you're having pain. Pain is who you are, not in that way, but whatever that feeling was in the present, they went there with me, knowing that it wouldn't last always, you know, they were like, if you're feeling pain right now, we're going to be there with you. Um, we want, you know, you're feeling joy. Okay. We're going to paint this hallway blue so that you can continue that joy. So, um, so yeah, that's just one thing that I'm, I just feel like they were very present in acknowledging what I was feeling and, and how I needed to get through, um, you know, navigate those feelings and express myself through all of that. Um, well, that's so good because I feel like we we do kind of live in a culture that um, basically says if you're feeling anything but happy, um, mm-hmm. you need to get, just get back there. And it's it's right. really hard as a parent to sit with your kid in their place of pain and be able to acknowledge that. And I think yeah. what your parents did was so wise. And like you said, it's not that they were saying, okay, we're going to live here and this is who you are. Right. And I often feel this... Um, one of the things that happens with having three girls is they're very chatty and always trying to get my attention. Yeah. And one of the things will be like, let's say I'm driving or I'm doing something and one of the girls will say, mom. And I'm like, yes, mom, yes, mom. And I'm like, come on already. And I get so frustrated because I'm like, I'm saying yes. And one of my daughters said, she wants you to look at her. And it was this moment where it was like, oh, sometimes oh, what man. they want to say is they just need to be acknowledged And I've realized that it is, we live in this fast paced world and I have to stop whatever I'm doing to turn, face my kids. And I actually try to intentionally make eye contact. There's something different that happens when you try to really look at somebody in the eyes, like in the eyeballs. And I can see them actually kind of relax a bit because they know I'm, I'm listening. I'm present. I'm here. And I think that's part of it as well, whether we're sitting with a friend who is going through something really hard, um, a child, whatever it is, just saying, hey, like I'm acknowledging you. I see right. this. And that is not a skill that is always um, easy for a lot of us. But um, right. I think that's what you, your parents showed is very evident. And another thing I was thinking is, you know, as you talk in the book, you talk about how um, one of the things you learned to do with your um, tics because of Tourette's was you learned to suppress them. 
mm-hmm. and how that was actually more damaging because then they would come out later on even worse. And I was thinking right. that we can do that with our feelings mm-hmm. where we suppress yeah. them and then it does come out later even right. worse. And so you have even talked about like, what does it look like for you to give yourself permission to really feel your feelings? Right, right. I do want to backtrack really quick and just, this is the opposite of encouragement that I would like to offer you, but uh, I just want you to know that I, I'll be 29 in a few weeks and I will still do that to my mom. Yeah, we'll be at her house. Like we all get together on Sundays they have two grandkids and my mom will be in full grandmother mode, like getting cookies down for the grandkids. And I, my grown self will be all up in her face. Like mom, mom, look at me, mom, mom. And then I'll, and straight up, I will send her a picture. I'll show her a picture on my phone and be like, what if I did my eyebrows like this? Like, just like, like, like something that she doesn't need, like in not important. Yeah. So as long as you know, it's never going to end. I, I kind of love that because I'm sure there'll yeah. be a point where I'm like wanting that. Right. Exactly. Anyway. I think my mom secretly loves it. Um, but yeah, I mean, man, I, I try to give myself like, you know, so I try not to talk about the Enneagram a lot because I try not to drive people crazy about it. I just find it so fascinating. Um, but I'm an Enneagram seven. And so, you know, naturally you would think like, okay, feelings are not a thing, but I, for me, feelings are so helpful to embrace and to acknowledge because I've seen what happens to myself when I don't acknowledge them. You know, just, I mean, a couple of times this year, I'm, I'm not proud of it, but it's the reality that a couple of times this year, my husband has found me in the closet in my studio crying because I have seen stuff on the news that made me sad, but I tried to push it to the back of my head um, because I've read a blog post that broke my heart because I saw a sad YouTube video because I'm worried that I'm not a good mom, because whatever it is, and I don't talk about it, you know, I maybe skipped therapy for a couple weeks because I was like, I'm too busy, I'll just do it next week, and then I'm, the next week, I'm like, oh, I'm too busy. I'll just do it next week. I'm not talking to my family. I'm not talking to my husband. I'm just doing, doing, doing and working, working, working. And then on a random Thursday, it just, it like, I can't get my computer to work the way it needs to work. Or I'm on a zoom call and I didn't have it muted and I burped. And all of a sudden everything feels like it's working against me and I will crawl in my vocal booth and cry Um, and I'm not proud of that. That's something that because I've seen myself get to that point, I know that I have to handle and take care of my feelings in in a healthier way. And so counseling is one of the ways that it's been very helpful for me. Um, I, something very specifically for me, and maybe this will be helpful for other people too, is counseling when I'm having a good week because I'm really good at being, and some people like don't go to, you know, get professional help with a therapist. And that's okay. I'm not saying that everybody has to be in weekly therapy. Um, But there are seasons where I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing really good right now. I don't need therapy. And I won't go. And then like the next day, I'm like, "Uh oh, just because yeah, just because it's a great place to talk through my feelings. Um, Also, I have friends that um, that reach out to me. Like I have a few friends that they kind of have like a special pass to be able to call me and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like very specific questions that are just, you know, between us that they're able to ask me and I'm kind of not required to answer them. But, you know, I mean, I do have a mental health diagnosis and so it's just 
a responsible choice that I try to make to allow them into my life in that way. So um, I just try to allow space to feel, allow time to feel, and try not to avoid those feelings. And and if I'm honest, I actually, I really enjoy it. It feels it feels good. I mean, I, <laughs> this is kind of crude maybe, but I used to kind of, I don't, I can't remember if I put this in the book or not. I feel like I tried to put it in the book and my mom was like, no, I can't remember. But I used to use the phrase emotionally constipated. Like 100%. nobody wants to be emotionally constipated. So you got to let it out I think, once in a I while. think you do have it in the book. And I totally relate. And having, having had little kids, there's all these like analogies that come to me Um, about connecting with God. And I'm like, I can't use all of these, but I did write a blog post about leaning into the pain regarding regarding constipation. Um, But I was thinking actually when you brought up that idea of when you're feeling good, this is what I thought actually last week. Um, I have been feeling so good for the last six weeks, let's just say. It's been a really good, it's been an intense season, but really good. And I had this moment where I thought, oh, this is actually where it gets dangerous because this is yeah. where I start to, similar to the counseling, this is where I start, start to skip a quiet time where I go, I don't need to connect with God. And not that I don't need to, but like I can push that back, that right. walk or that thing that I'm going to do because I'm doing really well. And so it can be yeah. that really subtle, slippery thing that um, makes me feel like I can do this on my own or something. So I love that you brought that up because, and I love that you brought up that you have these friends who are really the, um, the people you trust who are going to speak into your life, check up on you that you have to be real with. And I think we don't need the world to check up on us and to know everything Mm -hmm. that's going on, but we need a few people in our lives that we're like, this is the person I can be really real with. I can be really honest with, she's not going to need to fix me or judge me, um, just be there and that I can really trust that person. So I love that right. you have that in your life. It's so easy to want it to be the world, you know, especially if you enjoy things like social media. You know, I I love social media and obviously there are some negative effects to it, but there have also been, for me at least, there have been some really healing moments and some really beautiful friendships that have come through social media but it's so tempting for me to pull out my phone and make a video that's like, baby, you won't go to sleep. I don't know what to do. But like, what's that going to get me? A bunch of people telling me a bunch of opinions and then a whole bunch of other people trying to sell me some oils. And I love oils. Don't get me wrong, but I don't want to buy anymore and I'm not trying to sell them. But I think it's really cool that people sell them because I buy them. So I'm grateful. And then it's going to be a bunch of people be like, oh, you need to buy some skin cream. That's why the baby won't sleep. It's like all this stuff. And I'm like, guys, 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 now just, I'm just stressed, I'm overwhelmed, now I have a part-time job, like, what's going on? Um, and it, it it just takes away from the actual purpose, which was finding rest and finding peace and joy in these moments. Now it's turned into a whole, like you said, the whole world, when it doesn't need to be that. Jesus had 12, so, like, I need to have more intentionality in this instead of just attention when it, you know, comes to stuff like that. And so let's go there for a minute in terms of anxiety and technology and social media and all those things. How has uh, technology sort of um, increased some anxiety for you? Because we know that it has for the world. Um, And what have you done to sort of set up some boundaries or make it healthy, both from a practical standpoint, but also from a, like you said, 
I'm posting this thing and now I'm getting the world's advice on how to, you know, get my baby to do this thing. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of age myself in the book a little bit when I start talking about AOL instant messenger or AIM or AIM, depending on what people called it. I think a lot of people used it, but especially for, um, especially for millennials, like it was just like this very instantaneous chat thing that happened and we all became obsessed with it. And, you know, it's only increased from there. You know, the, the need to be instant and the need to respond right away has only increased from there. You know, I posted something um, on TikTok recently and it's an app that I think is genius. I mean, Again, of course, every app has craziness, but also TikTok is genius. And I think Gen Z is going to save the world. And I was on TikTok and I posted a video and somebody commented about like, do you respond? And then somebody else commented and they were like, oh no, she doesn't respond. And I was like, excuse me. And I responded, of course. First of all, I do respond. It just takes me four to six business weeks. So chill out. But I commented and I was like, um, I am a working mom. TikTok is a hobby. I'm glad to respond. Thank you. You know, and some people might be like, oh, ignore the haters. No, these aren't haters. These are human beings that are used to an instant world. And at some point, we got to remind the world that that's not what it has to be. You know, I saw a post recently where somebody was like, I want to go back to the days where we didn't talk about politics on social media and we only posted what we ate for lunch. No, you don't, because we were all complaining about that too. We were like, well, nobody cares that you eat broccoli. I eat pizza. I don't even like kale. There's not enough gluten in that. Like we were complaining about that too and going off on each other and getting in disagreements about that as well. It's the issue is not what we're posting. The issue is not the apps that we're posting on. The issue is an inability to rest and an inability to take time to embrace the quiet. The issue is an instant world. The issue is a rushed society. The issue is I need it right away. The issue is that when we watch something on television, if we miss it, we can either we can either have it recorded right away or it'll be made available at three o'clock in the morning before we go to work the next day so we can just stay up and watch it and we'll be exhausted, but at least we got to see Grey's Anatomy. That's the issue, you know what I mean? And so I've, I've tried to set boundaries in my own life and be okay with the fact that I can't be available at all times for all people. You know, I have so much respect for essential workers, like, but I'm not one. So I'm not on call ever. And even doctors and firefighters, like even they sleep. So like, I'm not available 24 seven. So what have um, you done practically to like help yeah. yourself? Cause I love what you just said and how you tied that up with the bow of rest and that really is there's like this rest crisis in the world i i stopped apologizing for taking a long time to text back that's the first thing i stopped doing because people were getting so upset if i didn't respond within days or i remember one time someone posted a screenshot of how i took a week to text back and they were like jamie grace takes forever to text back and i'm like you know what i do and i don't have to explain that if someone texts me at 3 a.m. and they say they need something that's different but if you say hey how are you boo i'm eating a cheeseburger i will text you this is not the time for that 
Um, so I stopped apologizing for taking a while to text back. That's one thing. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just not check my email when it's the weekend sometimes it, it kind of depends, you know, right now, like in the middle of a book release season, that's a little bit different, but you know, sometimes I'll tell people, Hey, I'll, if it's a, if it's a Monday and I know I can't get back to them till Friday, I might just shoot them a word and say, hey, I'll, I'll get to you, get to your email on Friday. And it's not to, you know, shut people out. It's not to be rude or anything, but it's just to be honest and it's to be realistic. And it's, I can't be, you know, Jesus is all things to all people. And I'm going to let Jesus be Jesus. And I'm going to do what I'm capable of. Um, and I'm also stopped feeling guilt. My husband does not love social media as much as I do. And if I don't post a picture of him, you know, for like 72 hours, people think we got a divorce, you know? And so I stopped feeling guilty about that. I'm like, I know that I was just making out with him five minutes ago, but like, I don't have to tell the internet. So let them think what they think. If that is at the top of their list, God bless their brain. Cause that's embarrassing if that's what you think about. So I just stop feeling guilty for what I'm, what I can't do. Well, and obviously some of the pressures you have are exponential compared to, um, a lot of people who just have a much smaller platform. Um, you're, <laughs> you know, you're facing just a, a volume of comments and other things and opinions. Um, how have you learned to manage kind of, cause it obviously it's a process when you have, um, people who are critical or people who are, um, cause that can be part of the anxiety as well, whether it is a close group of friends and somebody is saying something that's rude to us, or it's somebody that we don't know on the internet who is saying something to us. How do you right. manage that? And, you know, I just have to always, I started asking myself recently, um, two questions. And the first question is a yes or no question. And the second one is I usually try to make it a full sentence. And so the first question is, is there grace for this? Um, and the answer is always yes. <laughs> so there's that. So if someone like, you know, I just, I had a kid a little over a year ago, so I get a lot of comments about my weight. So if someone says something about my weight online, then I just say, you know, is there grace for this? Now, whether that means is there grace for the way I look or is there grace for what they said? Like, I feel great about the way I look. So, well, I didn't six months ago, but we good now. Um, so, you know, I just ask myself, is there grace for this? Whatever that means. And I just answer yes or no. And then I say, what is the truth? Um, and the truth is that God loves me just as I am. And so does my husband. And I love myself as well. And that's all that matters. And so for me, Speaking the truth out loud has been so beneficial and borderline crucial for my mental health because my mind says so much. My anxiety has so much to say. So I have to make sure that I verbally acknowledge what the truth is um, and that I speak it out loud. You know, I mean, when I was 13, Westboro Baptist started protesting my, my YouTube. So <laughs> I feel like I've gotten a pretty good practice <laughs> of it, <laughs> um, of just like people, like the old saying, hurt people, hurt people. And people speak out of their brokenness so often. So we can gather that brokenness and allow it to become ours. Or we can say, is there grace for this? Is God going to give me grace to get through this? Yes. 
And now what is the truth about the situation? I am a good mom. My family loves me. That skirt I posted was really cute. You know, I, I didn't get a lot of comments. I didn't get any likes on that photo, but I know that I like that photo. Whatever that truth is, actually verbally speaking that out loud um, so that it speaks much louder than the anxiety in our minds. I love what you just shared. And it's so applicable to each person listening because um, you know, part of the finding quiet isn't just um, finding quiet from the noise out in social media or the noise in the world. It really is finding quiet from the noise in our head. And we yeah. have, um, we don't have anybody monitoring what's going on in our head. And there can be all these lies, all these things that are swirling around. And so that very simple practical advice that Jamie just said of getting the truth out loud. And sometimes you also have to get the lies out. And I yeah. love that you have those people you can talk to, um, who you can trust. And I always say to people, like, find someone you can really trust, not the person who you know talks about other people, right? Like, find that <laughs> right. trust, whether it's a spouse or a good friend. Um, and you can even just say to them, hey, this conversation, I need to be about me where I want to get some of the lies out, some of the things that maybe I've been believing that may not be true about myself, and then also allow them to speak truth back to you, but speak that truth out. And so I love yeah. that you have a system there. And I think actually we, the same way we organize um, our cupboards or other things like that, I think it helps to have some systems for how we deal with whether offense comes our way or criticism or our own mind has things that are swirling. And we mm -hmm. kind of have a, this is what I do, because it allows us to get to that place again of walking in the truth, like the truth of right. who we've been created to be. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. Um, I want to ask you um, one question, just sort of as we're wrapping up here, um, what, what we haven't yet covered in our story um, or in your story is that you, um, you know, you went from this girl who's been diagnosed with all these things, sitting in this place of pain. Um, to really choosing joy. And then you made a decision to, hey, I'm going to start putting some things up on YouTube. And we don't have time to go through all the details of what, <laughs> how your life really took off um, in that way. Um, but I was thinking about for you and um, your sister, Morgan, who has a similar story in the sense that um, both of you just started serving people around you and just started, um, using your gifts and your talents, um, to spread hope and joy. Neither of you were like, I really hope one day I'm super famous. And you know, <laughs> maybe that was a hope in the back of your mind, but that's not the, the thing. It was just this place of, um, you know, and, and, and doing it from a place also of pain. Like it wasn't like everything is great now. So what would you say just to that, um, woman who is like, Hey, I am, um, I am trying to find quiet in my life or I'm, I want to use some of my gifts or skills. And, um, I feel like I, I don't really know what to do. Like what kind of encouragement would you give for, um, the woman who's listening? Yeah. I mean, there's always someone in your community, in your village, in your home, even that could benefit from your story and from what God is doing in your life. Um, it can oftentimes feel like, well, you know, maybe I'm inadequate, maybe I'm not good enough. And we don't have to be adequate. We don't have to be good enough because God has written this story and anything that he puts his hand on is worth sharing. And so that accounts for everyone's story. Um, and you mentioned my big sister, Morgan, 
I jokingly, but also dead seriously, call her my claim to fame. Uh, the the poet Morgan Harper Nichols, the artist. Um, she's my big sister and my best friend. And she and I both just started out serving locally. You know, most of the songs that I wrote in the beginning, like I remember I, I wrote this song for a lady at my church that I found out she was going through a divorce. I wrote another song um, for this lady who, um, she's an immigrant and she was trying to bring her children to America. Um, I, I like all of my early songs are written about people in my church. <laughs> and when I tell people like, oh, I'm Jamie Grace, I'm a pastor's kid. They imagine this crazy mega church. And I'm like, yeah, it's like a hundred people. It's a family church. My parents are missionary pastors. They don't get paid for serving there. It's a small, beautifully small church. Um, and that's who most of my earlier songs are written for. Um, and that's one of the best places to start. You know, like you said, like we never dreamt of like, being famous per se I always thought it'd be cool to be on tours and be on stages but even now like I'm I'm an independent artist I record all of my music at home like I'm definitely not the teen star that I once was but I still love it just as much because my daughter likes my songs my husband likes my songs and if they're the only two people singing them I'm gonna be satisfied and I'm gonna I know that I'm sharing what God wants me to share so serve locally bloom where you're planted like your church, your home, your school, like you want to change, like you want to change politics, start with the local school. You want to change the, the school system in your country, in your state, start with your local school. You have problems with the church, start with your local church. Like God has you there for a reason. If God didn't want you where you are right now, he would have moved you. So you're there for a reason and just embrace where you are. Um, and embrace what he can do where you are exactly right now. Oh, that is so good. I hope people go back and listen to that. Maybe you could just get a little clip and you could put that as like your encouragement for the day. Um, it is easy <laughs> to feel like, um, look at to the left or the right and feel like this is where I need to be. But like you said, and I have a pillow up on my couch that says bloom where you're planted. And yes. I know for myself, as I have started just to look around my neighborhood and um, invest in the people around me. That's where things yeah. really have started to not take off necessarily um, numbers wise, but just personally, it is this deep yeah. personal um, satisfaction. More. So um, Morgan, I or Morgan, I'm sure you can. <laughs> I've been called Morgan so many times. I literally was about to respond. <laughs> I'm sure you get that. Have you met Morgan? I have not. I would love to have her on at some point. I know she is. Um, I, I love, see. yeah. I'll see if I can put in a good word for you. I might know some people. Yeah. Well, I love that you also, I mean, there's, we were chat chatting before the show that I have three girls and that you guys have these babies eight days apart. Like there's so many, so many sister goals in your lives. Um, that's a hard, that's a hard accomplishment. So, um, as, right. as we purpose. leave, um, as we leave, I want to leave with, um, a quote and then I want to ask you where people can sort of find your books and everything. And so this is just a quote I pulled from your book. And it says, but as we press into who we were called to be, who God created us to be, and we keep our focus solely on pursuing that as our main goal, we're able to live a life as a carefree kid in the backyard playing soccer with a handful of quiet. And I love that image. And you tell a great story about soccer that people are just going to have to read in the book. <laughs> um, but to me, like that is such a beautiful picture of us living freely who God has created us to be and called us to be. 
So Jamie, where can people find you and your books and all of the things? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So I grew up on the internet. So type in Jamie Grace anywhere and you'll find me. I use Instagram the most. Um, so just type in Jamie Grace. Um, if you're like listening to this and you've never seen me, I'm the only black girl that shows up. So that'll be very helpful for you. Um, so yeah, just find me on Instagram at Jamie Grace, YouTube, Jamie Grace. And I released music every month this year under the name Jamie Grace, Apple Music, Spotify, all of the above. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to po- podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.